Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name's Aaron Kemp and as always I am joined by Will Murden. Now today though, Will, you are sleep deprived and not for the normal reasons in your life. Normally it's kind of alcohol fueled and, and a, a personal choice, but you are under the pump work-wise. So I feel like I'm going to have to bring a lot of the noise today. Yes, absolutely, mate. Normally, it is my love of this sport that has me up at ridiculous hours, but it's been a big weekend, and I've I've burnt a lot of time in front of a computer, and I am just really not in a great spot right now. So do not expect a whole heap of sharpness out of me. I, I ha- I'm, I, I'm in no position to be giving people an update of what's happened, so I'm really here as a listener to okay. kind of bounce some stuff across for you, but you're going to have to do all the heavy lifting in here, my friend. Okay, not a problem. Uh, that's kind of business as usual for me, I guess. So, like, nothing really changes. I just hope that you go deep into the into the well of your vernacular today and just start trying to bring out terms. And I can just, I'll just watch your brain tick over as you battle with the difference between good and mediocre and spectacularly average. And a whole bunch of other terminology. Anyway, we've got to keep this short because you actually have to get back to work as well. So I'm not going to screw around here anymore. But just before we do get started, I did want to mention, and this is kind of going a little bit kind of not that interesting. I feel like if you'd had a normal day, this would have been more interesting. But I just, there's a quick note. Well, there was a house party next to us last night. Ooh. And people are more than welcome to have a house party. I think it's because high school's finished here. Their kind of exam week starts next week. And the well, place it was Halloween to- as well. And, and that, and that. Like, there's a lot of things. Uh, and people can actually have parties now, I suppose. But the place next to us is quite palatial. We don't really know them. They have too much money to worry themselves with little peasants like us. But the point where another just notch to the belt of realizing that I'm super washed up was not that I considered it, but the conversation came up with me and English Jess about at what point do you make a noise complaint? And uh, I mean, I've never done that. We've been on the receiving end of noise complaints. Oh, uh, many a time. <laughs> like, if I'm starting to dish them out now, uh, that's, that's Look, not a good one. had a very that. similar realisation. Friday night had our football presentation uh, dinner, and we're getting well yeah. off topic here, but we're chatting with one of the other older gentlemen in the team, and one of the, the young lads in the team had brought his missus, and she was looking good. Like, she... <laughs> Nice looking dress, low cut, and it was all out there for display. And yeah. he's kind but of that chatting, went saying, quietly well, into the night as well, preci- precisely. <laughs> but he's the, the mate I'm talking to saying, well, really going full circle here, haven't we? Because I remember when I was the one with the girl with the big tits at these things, and all the old blokes were perving on me, missus. Now I'm that old bloke <laughs> doing the perving on the missus. Oh, yeah. I'm with you, mate. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, so we continue to be washed up. And anyway, in terms of college football this week, I wasn't expecting much. I was heaps wrong. I actually ended up sneaky putting a bit of time into this week, which was great. I saw a lot of ball, um, so I'm pretty happy with that. But let's get through it. So we're going to catch you up in terms of 360. So feel free to jump in and add anything along the way um, from what you know. I know you did watch the Pokes play, so we'll get to that. But let's have a bit of a... A look-see about what you need to catch up on for week number nine. 
It was the Big Ten's time to go crazy this week as uh, Minnesota fell to Maryland, who we thought are not great at all. Michigan State was supposed to be bad, and they go to Ann Arbor and upset the Wolverines. The Big 12 do it to themselves again as well. The only two unbeaten teams in conference managed to lose in Kansas State and Oklahoma State. Obviously, you kept a close eye on the uh, Cowboys there. Will, not a good day for the Big 12. No, that was very disappointing. And that's peak college football, like the peaks and troughs that you get there. Uh, they, You build everything up and you need to win. That's what you need to do in this sport. And one loss just can really derail it all. And... Their house of cards came crashing down today, so along with my sanity, it's it's all out the window. Uh, very disappointing for them, but I guess what they still do have to fight for is the Big 12, because the winner's going to walk away, walk out with, what, four wins on the year is going to get you into the Big 12 championship game? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be good. This is why the Big 12 is the worst conference. Get, get along to the ACC. Anyway, lots of big passing numbers this weekend as well, so if you liked offense, there would have been a lot for you. Uh, across the the breadth of college football. Didn't matter what conference, there was numbers being posted, touchdowns being thrown. So um, that was really exciting to watch. If you like kickers, on the other hand, they didn't have their best week. Um, so we had lots of misses, whether it was the Minnesota game or Penn State or Ohio State or Michigan. I feel like I'm just reeling off the Big Ten here, but lots of teams had issues in the kicking game, which had varying levels of severity in terms of wins and losses. Anything else that you noticed from this week, Will? No, sir, um, but thank you for bringing me up to speed. No worries. Hey, that's what I'm here for. Uh, let us push on then because, again, this show, this episode particularly, needs to be short, sharp and shiny because Will is looking more and more like a... Uh, I don't want to say a drug addict, but you look weathered. You look yeah, like you've got a tough yeah. go of it. Like you... Yeah, so I feel like... Yeah, sleep's at a premium at the moment. One might mistake me for still having uh, last night's Halloween costume on, but no, that's just my face. <laughs> Good. All right, let's get into the news from around the week leading into week number nine, of which there was plenty. Nebraska and Wisconsin was cancelled, and because the Big Ten has no room to move in their schedule... That game cannot be postponed and moved elsewhere. It's just straight cancelled. This was due to the unavailability of sufficient quarterbacks at Wisconsin. The next guy up, because Graham Mertz is out and we know Jack Cohen's out, Danny Vandenboom was going to be the guy to suit up for Whiskey. They didn't have enough room to move. The margins were too tight, so that game got cancelled. Now, that should be the kind of end of it. However, what happened next was the talk of the town. Nebraska then went and asked the Big Ten if they could schedule Chattanooga. Because they were like, we don't have a game, can we play somebody? Chattanooga were like, yeah, we're up for it. We'll take some money to get our asses whooped. They're obviously a non-Big Ten team. They're a non-Power Five. They're a non-Group of Five. But the Big Ten turned around and rejected this. Now, maybe this is another middle finger to Nebraska after what happened in the offseason. But then following that, Ohio State and Penn State discussed boycotting their game in protest of the Big Ten's decision, of which was never going to happen. Ohio State and Penn State were always going to play. Um, Paul Feinbaum then jumped on, as he does for ESPN, the cock-sucking SEC dude, went in on Nebraska saying they're an embarrassment and don't belong in the Big Ten. Now, I thought his comments were absolutely ridiculous, especially based on the fact that the SEC 
repetitively, and I mean by repetitively, I mean year in, year out, beats up on not schools like Chattanooga, but Chattanooga themselves. So I thought that was uh, just a ridiculous comment by him. Um, and he was sort of talking about how they were bigger in the Big 12. But that was that whole kind of saga, which was a really, really interesting one. Anyway, Ohio State and Penn State did play. Wisconsin, Nebraska did cancel. We'll see how they go from there. Trevor Lawrence got COVID, uh, so he did not play this week against BC. And Darbo Swinney came out after the game this week and said he will not be playing against Notre Dame either. So they need to suit up against probably the second best team in the ACC without the best player in the country. Uh, as we continue in the news, I'll get your takes on any of this. Mike Leach creating waves in Starkville. Seven players so far have removed themselves from the team between transfers and opt-outs. So there is a mutiny on hand with, for the uh, Pirate himself, but this is not unusual for him. And we are now one week away from Pac-12 action returning to our viewership, which is fantastic as well. It just means more later games for us. Any thoughts on any of those Points, William. Is there a certain disproportionate number of quarterbacks getting the virus, or is it just because they're a bigger name that we mention them? I yeah, I don't know. I don't know who else. I mean, we've had Trevor Lawrence go down. Obviously, we had Graham Mertz go down. Uh, I, I don't. I can't think. It's of enough any of other a sa- it's enough of a sample size for me. That's all of them. <laughs> Uh, and, and I'm thinking it's because they uh, see a lot of people on campus, if you know what I mean. Uh, so it kind of makes sense. I get that. But they probably, the schools need to do a better job of looking out after them in that sense, some testing of the people who are coming to visit the quarterbacks, something like that. Well, there's a lot of danger as well surrounding this being Halloween week, which encourages the uh, socializing or lack of social distancing on college campuses so expect a bit of an uptick i know miami's currently in the midst of uh, a surge in numbers so they won't be the only ones and the big 10 pays the price at this stage but it's just again one of those things cannot be controlled it is what it is and you know now nebraska definitely cannot make the college football playoff oh now okay cool that was it (laughs) that was it uh, all right, let's jump in then. Unless there's anything else you've got on all of that gear, Will, let's uh, push into some game recaps. The only other thing that I did catch that I uh, enjoyed was the Missouri-Florida brawl at halftime. Uh, yeah. That obviously, Kyle Trask copped the hit on, on the lead-up too, and mm. then it was just on, which I like. You know, look after your boy, uh, th- throw some in there. Never really understood the uh, football fight with helmets and throwing punches at helmets and then taking your helmet off. Yeah. Like, now you now you are you know susceptible to something happening to you. So it's a bit yeah. of a funny one, but I don't know what do you do? Go around punching dudes in the dicks or just in the sternum, I guess, or in the mm. throat. Go the throat. The old throat shot. I don't know. Anyway, I was never much of a fighter. If we jump into the ACC, uh, Virginia take on North Carolina. To throw and over the middle right at the goal line and diving in for the score. Is Paul Jan. Well, an outstanding catch and then the extra effort. 17 yards and another Virginia touchdown. 
Yeah, the big man Pole Jam makes a great catch to put the Cavs up 41 to 20, from which the Tar Heels could not recover. They did try their hardest, but could not. Now, Will, you probably haven't seen this game, but Virginia did get up 44 to 41 over North Carolina. They suffer their second defeat in the ACC. But I'm going to put a scenario to you: fourth and three in your own half. You're up by three points. 2:02 on the clock. Do you punt at that point, or do you go for it on fourth and three? to potentially ice the game? Uh, it depends who your team is and, and what you're built for. Like if, if you have a, a solid defense, like if you're a, a Georgia or an Oklahoma State, you punt the ball because you're one of the better defensive teams in the nation. If you've given up 40 points on the game already and scoring is kind of quite easy, then I'm, I'm going for it. You bet yourself in fourth and three. Three yards is bread and butter. So it, okay, it's a bit so dependent. It, if you do that, do you send out your offense or do you fake punt it to a backup quarterback and require him wearing number 99 to try and run somebody over? Yeah, you don't run the fake punt uh, with two minutes to go on the old, in, yeah, in that situation. That's hindsight's twenty twenty, but you don't do that. Well, they did and it worked. And Virginia get the first down with their giant quarterback who went to run off right tackle switch field he needed a long way to go and ran a dude over and that pretty much iced the game and the Cavs come away winners they held the Tar Heels to just 93 yards rushing and we knew they had the best running back duo in the country North Carolina uh, but they could not get that running game going and with that North Carolina possibly fall out of the ACC competition they need results to go their way from this point on you're, you obviously watched all that game, Will, so I, I don't know. I was about to throw to you, but I was like, ah, oh, you're probably not going to know much. <laughs> yeah, there's it. not a lot I can know. I, I'm surprised at this one. Obviously, in the lead-up to, we both thought that North Carolina would ha- manage this one quite comfortably, and we've both been mm. a bit off North Carolina, so mm-hmm. I feel bad missing the opportunity to make some money off of this one. Uh, I feel like it was kind of there, there to be. But Virginia did what they, they did against Miami, in that they were able to stop the run and they came out on the right side in this one. So good for them. Uh, Happy that they're able to get that victory there. Yeah, and they uh, end a four-game losing streak with that win over North Carolina. So they will hopefully build on that into the back half of the season. As we move on, Clemson 34, Boston 28. Yeah, Clemson by six points, and that included a safety in the last minutes as well. So this game was tight the whole way. It was really, really entertaining. BC were up 28-10. to 10. Uh, Clemson uh, set records by overcoming that 18-point deficit. BC had a chance on the final drive, so they were driving to win the game. I thought they were going to make it, to be honest with you, because there was all this stuff that was happening, and, and a bit like your Oklahoma State game, things were go- just going against Clemson the whole way. So, for example, um, Jakovic throws a pick to ice the game. It was a bad ball, uh, and it gets intercepted, but then uh, Isaiah Thomas, just lo- as we see in the replay, just launched himself targeting drive continues uh Djurkovic then as we move forward he gets injured Dennis Grossell has to come in off the bench at the quarterback position his first play of the game on fourth and four and they ask him to complete a pass he does that and keeps the drive alive and then he just heads back to the bench which I thought was amazing but Clemson's defense did hold 
Dubbo Swinney was extremely frustrated in his offense at this one. Despite their good numbers, they were better on third down. They moved the ball through the air pretty effectively. Travis Etienne had over 200 all-purpose yards. He now sits atop the ACC as the all-time leading rusher. And I thought this game was closer on the scoreboard than it perhaps really was. Clemson win and move on with a backup quarterback at the helm. And I can't say his name, so I don't know I'm going to try. You're going to have a crack at it, though, Will, surely. No. I mean, yeah. I'm just going with DJ Ukulele. Yeah, Ukulele. Yeah, I can't say his name. And it was interesting when they were doing the halftime stuff and uh, the commentator or the analysts on, I can't remember who it was, Fox or whoever had the game. No, it might have been ACC Network had the game. And they three of them said his name and they all said it differently. So I still don't know exactly how to say it. And I don't think they do either. So... Uh, Clemson escape and move on. Their numbers took a massive hit, though, in terms of uh, college football playoff likelihood and all this kind of stuff, which obviously means nothing. But uh, having a quarterback out, this is the difference between the top teams is an elite quarterback, and it starts and stops there. Certainly sets up a juicy matchup next week uh, against Notre Dame now. So with Trevor Lawrence out for that one, this all of a sudden becomes a real line ball match. Yeah, for sure. And I, yeah, that, that will be a really, really good one to watch. Virginia Tech 42 head on the road and beat Louisville 35. Tech jumped out to a 21 point lead. Uh, and Louisville managed to fight their way back into the game with the aid of their rushing attack and timely big plays. Virginia Tech is still giving up a lot of big plays. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, I keep saying McHale, Malik Cunningham threw another three picks, which was the difference in this one. And he's developing a bit of a reputation for doing so. Tech put up 283 yards and five touchdowns on the ground, which is a good day out for their rushing attack. Both of these teams are heavily flawed, particularly on defense and particularly stopping the run. I can't remember who I picked in this. I think I picked Louisville. You picked Tech. But, uh, yeah, disappointing for, for Louisville. And Virginia Tech, you know, moved to 2-2, two and two, I believe. Yeah, something like that. I've got very little to add to that one, my friend. Okay. <laughs> Should have just done the show by myself. Notre Dame 31, down Georgia Tech 13. Georgia Tech scored a 93-yard fumble return and didn't score an offense until the middle of the last quarter. So that game was over, uh, you know, after halftime. Uh, Notre Dame are just doing just enough at the moment. Nothing too special. They're kind of getting through. And their big moment comes next week against Clemson. Your boys, Syracuse, could not even get close to getting it done. Wake Forest, 38, beat up on the Orange, 14, in the Carrier Dome. Sam Hartman to Jakari Robeson was the connection of the night as Wake do things pretty easily and continue to just mosey their way quietly through their ACC schedule at the moment. Yeah, I'm kind of going to die alone on this Syracuse Hill, aren't I? I should have mm-hmm. backed away from this one a lot earlier. Uh, yeah. Things are really falling apart and it's not pretty, but good for Wake. They're a real story in the ACC at the moment. This is a program we talked about in the preseason that the perennial overachievers, because it is a small private institution, tough to get into, tough to recruit for. Uh, and not, you know, it doesn't have a lot going for it in terms of facilities or prestige from an, a footballing side of things. But they're getting results, and they consistently do. And, and this year is a real testament to that fact. So 
Demon Deacons can keep on rolling. They'll be um, a cheeky shot to maybe make some noise down the stretch in the ACC. Is that a stretch? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They will be in there in the top seven. All right. <laughs> Let's head to the Big 12. It is your time to shine, Will. Or maybe not so much. Game comes down to this fourth down for Oklahoma State. Texas brings pressure. Sanders in trouble. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't get that, Joseph Asai got a sack on the last play of the game uh, to end it for Texas. And oh man, do I feel for you in this one. I had a feeling throughout that this just wasn't going to happen for Oklahoma State. It felt like that at, at the start of the game as they turned the ball over a little bit. They never seemed fully in control, even though they were. Uh, it, it, they just had so many chances to win the game and they didn't take any of them. Here is your moment to shine, though. I'm not going to talk anymore because you've actually got something to contribute here. Go. Yes, I did watch this game and you are spot on in your saying that Oklahoma State controlled this football match. They were the better team on the day. The stats kind of show that in all the yardage and, and all of that stuff there, but not where it mattered. And, and how many times do you look at a game and the turnover margin and how important that is? Uh, and that was massive in this one. Not so much with uh, Spencer Sanders turning the ball over um, through the air. So he did have the one interception that wasn't such a, a bad one. But all in all, he had a pretty good game. He, he went for 400 yards. He had the four touchdown passes. Uh, wasn't able to get going on the ground. Uh, Texas did a good job of containing him there. But it was more the fumbles across the board and where they gave these up. So Sanders did have three himself on sacks. And I think a lot of that comes down to the weakness of this Oklahoma State team, which is the offensive line. They, they were inexperienced coming into this year. They only had one returning player from uh, previous years. And they haven't quite gelled yet. And that showed out. Uh, Texas were able to get a lot of pressure on them here. And as a result of that, we saw these sacks uh, and we saw a, a number of injuries along that offensive line across the game too that just made things worse, compounded the issue. So whilst they were controlling it and the defense played lights out, I mean, yeah, it's, it's tough to say that when you give up 41 points, but when Texas's average starting drive would have been somewhere within their own start like side of the field yeah, yeah like yeah. at the 40 yard or something like they're starting in field goal range more often than not it's um it's a testament that Oklahoma State probably should have won this game uh on the back of that so I mean it, it is bitterly disappointing this is one of those ones where uh, I've been doing a lot of work sitting through a lot of stuff here and you, you want something to kind of really spur you on and this just put me into the pits of despair like real college football depression where mm. you've got all these hopes of grandeur. Like this is the year. It's all building up. We're 4-0. and Things are looking good. Conference is down. Things are going our way. We're top 10 ranked. All this optimism that you build in, even though deep down you know your team's not good. Well, not you know at that level good. Um, mm. Then the, you know, the old choke poke comes out. Uh, or poke yeah, choke, yeah. should I say. And it's tough to argue. I mean, yeah. th th this team, 
is too good to have been in these situations today. They should have been able to control it. The defense should have been able to keep this Texas team under 21 points if there was they were controlling field position, if they weren't turning it over as, as recklessly as they were. So it's uh, super disappointing from a, a fan standpoint and, and for that side as well. I mean, they've built for this. There's a lot of optimism there. They look like they were heading in the right direction, but... Uh, credit to Texas. They, they keep slugging it out. Uh, this is the third overtime game they've played in this year now, <laughs> which is pretty nuts. Um, I mean, Sam Ellinger really couldn't get going. Yeah, he had no, the three I... touchdown passes through the air, but 18 of 34, 169 yards, an average of five per pass. You're taking that every day of the week in the Big 12. Uh, it's, or, it's... Actually, not even just the Big 12, like... Every game. <laughs> it's, it's, it's exactly right. That's super pedestrian. Uh, and the defensive backfield for Oklahoma State has really been showing out, and that continued. Mm. Same thing, running the ball. They, they really kind of did a fairly decent job containing them there and, and not allowing... Uh, the, the Ingram. And yeah, the, the stable of backs that they got, but also Sam Ellinger. Like, there was obviously a game plan mm. there. He is very dangerous with the ground. On, on the day, he went for minus nine yards on his 13 carries. So, obviously, the sack yardage yeah. comes into that, but that's massive. Uh, the other shout-out, I think, is worth noting is Tylan Wallace is a fucking player. Yeah. Like, watching this one, he had 11 catches, 187 yards, and two touchdowns, and he really popped on the field. Like, yeah, yeah. You you sure. see you see guys who stand out and are, and are that mm. that superstar amongst you know elite athletes and and he was certainly that he had a massive one but wrapping this up Oklahoma State turning the ball over as many times as they did uh, the penalties like having a roughing the punter penalty oh, on mate. and I, I wanted to get that. I wanted to I wanted to narrow the lens of fraction because you've been talking very kind of from a 20,000 foot view, if we narrow the focus onto some key plays here, and you just mentioned it, the roughing the kicker on fourth and 20 when with what, five minutes left in the game, something like Correct. that, you're up, up by four points. Yep, yep. And things just didn't go their way. And then, you know, that drive continues. And then they had fourth and seven from the OK State 12. This was the touchdown pass. But um, Oklahoma State brought the house. They actually ran a blitz, and it was called perfectly. The guys got home. Sam Ellinger just took a couple of steps and had to. He got flushed badly, and I thought, wow, they're on top of this. And then he just enough separation there for the wide receiver. And then they had to go for two. And the same thing happened. They actually got home. They got pressure on the quarterback, and he just sort of had to lob something. I was like, oh, you're doing everything right. It's just not going to happen for you. Josh Moore caught the touchdown his only catch for the day in OT. So I just, you did everything right. And you just feel that, you know, those penalties, those turnovers, you don't allow that kickoff return for a touchdown. It's a lot of woulda, shoulda, couldas. You don't feel like you're outplayed. Like, again, Miami's only lost to Clemson this year. We had our asses handed to us. I can live with that. When you feel like you're the better team and lose, that's more crushing, I think. <sighs> you're spot on, my friend, and you are not helping me. <laughs> Sorry to rub that in. All right, let's move on to another team that keeps your Big 12 hopes alive because this happened earlier in the day and when Kansas State lost, I was like, well, this could go one of two ways. Oklahoma State could distance themselves here in the Big 12. They didn't do that. Uh, West Virginia 37 got them handily as they only put up 10 points, did the Wildcats. This one to me just made sense. 
Will Howard threw three interceptions. Uh, we don't know what he, we were going to get from him, and, and he just wasn't good enough. Juice Vaughn, who was good against Oklahoma and Texas Tech in the first two games of the season, has been completely negated. Jarrett Doge was good again. He goes over 300 yards. That's just kind of what he does. So West Virginia, I don't think are that awesome, but I think that's more of a reflection of where Kansas State are at, both within terms of their playing ability, but also their... Um, management of injuries and, and things like that do start catching up with you. So that one, to me, again, like I said, makes perfect sense. Yeah, I was with you on that. I'm not surprised to see that result at all. West Virginia, a decent team. Kansas State had a great result, obviously, against Oklahoma. Outside of that, they were going to struggle on the road. Fresh quarterback, it, w- it was always going to be uh, a tough spot for them. Iowa State crushed Kansas, not Kansas, Kansas, 52-22. to TCU looked to humiliate Baylor early. They led 30 to nothing in the second quarter before Baylor, I say worked their way back into the game. They worked their way back in on the scoreboard, but they were never really challenging. TCU's run game controlled this game early, and the final was 33-23, so that looked a lot closer than it was. Oklahoma scored a lot, and Texas Tech did not. I think it was like 62 to 24 or something. Like it was a nasty blowout. Uh, any thoughts on those three games? No, probably in the Big 12. all going the way we expected, I, I, mm-hmm. I think, on that. So that's been rare for the Big 12. Yes. You know, the, <laughs> yeah, the two carnage games to start the day. Yeah, the, correct. The upsets at the top. But normally it's the whole day is just all over the yeah. shop where yeah. those ones kind of played a bit more to script. All right, let's jump into the Big Ten where we also saw a lot of action. Let's start in Ann Arbor. Set up the screen. He has Hayward. Touchdown, Michigan State. Yeah, Connor Hayward scores on that screen pass, and this was the most mature display that I've ever seen from Michigan State's offense. Not ever seen. From Michigan State offense in the last you know two years their their last two years on offense has been rough but they get away with a 27 to 24 win if we take us back to that play it was 20 to 17 michigan state were up eight minutes left on the clock and they are sparty to drive the length of the field and i thought michigan's defense are going to tighten the screws here uh they're going to get the ball back and then they'll go and score they just worked their way up the field. Great play calling. Some really good passing from Rocky Lombardi. Uh, they got a bad 15-yard penalty call. And by bad, I mean bad officiating call that pushed them well back. But then they scored on that screenplay two, two plays later. And it was 27-17. And they would hold on from there. Lombardi, as I mentioned earlier, he has been an absolute disaster in the past. But he, he went 17 of 32. Not great, but 323 yards, three touchdowns was pretty clear pretty clean joe milton struggled um, which is what you're going to get from a freshman quarterback and it's also what you get from jim hardball coach team so well done to mel tucker and the spartans some issues in the kicking game as well for michigan so a whole bunch of stuff that needs to get cleaned up here and i don't know what this tells us about either team i think michigan state last week were just bad i think michigan are good but minnesota's bad defense is horrific and i think that's probably where um we thought michigan are perhaps a little bit better than they are yeah it seems that way so this is a disappointing one for the big 10 because now we've got ohio state and maybe wisconsin maybe wisconsin i'm not going to rule them out yet that would be disrespectful for them 
but it really isn't anything. I was kind of hoping after Michigan's week one impressive display against Minnesota that they might be able to kind of be turning the corner and look like a genuine competitor for Ohio State this year. But after a disappointing result like this at home against the rivals, it doesn't seem like... Mm. Jim Harbaugh is able to get anything going in these big rivalry matchups. He drops to something like one and eight in matchups against combined uh, Michigan State and Ohio State. Ohio State, yeah, that's that's not, not good. good. It's not what you want, uh, in, you know, for for those because those are the ones that mean the most. I mean, as an Oklahoma State fan, yes, my season is now torched after losing that. But if we beat Oklahoma, it's all good. Like, I'm happy. I'm, I'm back yeah, happy. Yeah. So that's very much the case for Michigan State too. Uh, and they'll be thrilled with this. Full credit to them for that, to bounce back uh, in a big way. But Michigan really just need to be disappointed with this. Although, if I'm thinking about it... I mean, it, you say that, but these two teams now have... And this is unbelievable, sort of. But these two teams now have the same record. They're both one and one And we looked at Michigan being a really big power in in the Big Ten, and we looked at Michigan State after losing to Rutgers last week, being perhaps the worst team in the Big Ten, and now they have the same record. Like, it's just... I mean, this is what this yeah. year is, I suppose. What's clear now is Minnesota are the worst team in the Big Ten. Oh. Well, <laughs> let's move to that game then, shall we? Walker. It is no good! Maryland wins! Outrageous! I mean, it was outrageous. You had Maryland who managed three points last week. Three. Go and put up 35 on Minnesota who missed that extra point uh, that would have tied the game. And, wow. I mean, this week they got a whole heap more, obviously. But it was a roller coaster for Maryland to get to that 35 points. They were up 21-7 to in the first quarter. Then they got themselves into a 17-point hole in the last quarter. And then they won, which is just bananas. Um, Maryland fumbled before the end zone and the Gophers recovered. And, this happened pretty late, and I thought it was going to be done. Um, Minnesota had all the momentum. Maryland was struggling to punch it in. And, and Minnesota appeared to be controlling the game, especially on offense. Their, their offense looks pretty good, but not good enough. And a uh, such a disappointing effort. I mean, the story in this one probably has to be um, I can. I always get this confused as well. I want to say two. It's not two. It's Talia Tungavailoa, who came in, had five touchdown passes for the Terps, and appears to be a good one. Put one in on the. Oh, he had five in total. Sorry, uh, he was really, really good. Ibrahim was good for the Gophers on the ground as well. Their defense is terrible, 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 and. I don't know where this leaves them, honestly. Like, Maryland was supposed to be taking a massive, massive step back this year. And they've come out and beaten a team that we thought would be, you know, not elite. They're probably taking a fraction of a step back in Minnesota, but not as badly as what we've seen here. And I, I, don't, I don't know what to think. I mean, Minnesota, having said that, Minnesota start notoriously slow. Maryland last year um, jagged a couple of good results early, and we thought more of them. But... I just I don't know I don't really know what to to think about this now. Tanner Morgan, PJ Fleck have got to be so disappointed. 
I mean, it's tough for Maryland to take a massive step back from last year because they were pretty terrible last year. So the, but the expectation was that they were going to be around that mark again, especially after getting blown out the way they did week one. Mm-hmm. Minnes- I, I did watch this game. It was on the Saturday here in Australia. Hey, well done, mate. Well done. Well, I say watch. I watched the first three quarters, at which point I then flicked it off because I was like, well, this one's done. Minnesota yeah. got this. Like Maryland got out to a really good start. I think they were something like twenty-one nothing up, so, even. What, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was kind of interesting. And I thought, oh, we, you know, Maryland were looking the goods here. And then Minnesota started to edge their way back. Uh, their running back Ibrahim there had four mm. touchdowns in the first half. I think all of yeah, them, and, and was just yeah. churning. Uh, and then they had all the momentum going into the half. They're only up by uh, seven at that point, but. It was kind of cons- like the the whole mood of the game had shifted. Uh, going in the third quarter, same trend continued. They put on another 10 points and it was just like, how much are they going to win by? And I turned it off. And then the next thing I know, because I was in the office doing my thing, I get a notification on my phone saying, Maryland win in overtime. I'm like, what? <laughs> what is going on here? What have I missed? So that, that's an incredible effort from them to really turn that around because it's not an easy thing to do when all the momentum is against you. Uh-huh. But that is, I've been talking about what a lot of what I hate in this sport. What is awesome about it is you can have some defining moments that just spark something. And, and, that's and why it, you play the game. That's exa- why you play the game. Exactly right. It can flip it on its head at, at any point in time and you don't know what you're going to get. So awesome for Maryland. Uh, been pretty harsh on Mike Loxley and, and what he's been doing there. So I'm glad he can get a win. He needs it. They need to start to show something and this is certainly a step in that direction. All right, let's push on because i got a fair bit on the next one. This was game day, Ohio State 38 and Penn State 25 Justin Fields started exactly how he finished the last game just really struggled to throw an incompletion which is impressive the Ohio State O-line dominated early Penn State had a few pressure moments but overall Justin Fields could pretty much do whatever he wanted and I just thought you know this one was completely in control there was a strange play at the end of the first half where on fourth down Justin Fields tried to take a really slow knee to end the half but accidentally left one second on the clock Uh, inside their own half. Penn State kicker Jordan Stout comes in and hits a 50-yarder at halftime. But I didn't actually think Penn State really were going to threaten. I've been super critical of the Ohio State D-line. I'm not super critical. That's not fair on myself. But I have been critical of the Ohio State D-line. I didn't think they were as good, but they were fantastic today. Jonathan Cooper... um, Tommy Togai and, and Haskell Garrett and, and a host of others. They had like third stringers in there doing damage as well. Just held up time and time again. And I couldn't help notice like uh, Penn State were running that check with me offense and it was a five-man box. And I was like, well, they're definitely running into a five-man box. If you've got five men, uh, you know, in the, in the space being able to defend the run, you've got five offensive linemen, you get that blocked up. You've got two guys that can carry the ball without a tackler accounted for. And time and time again, they were trying to run into a five-man box and just couldn't. The D-line just dominated. Um, I, I just, I think Ohio State is such a better team. They're good passing the ball down the field. Um, I've moved on from the D-line being an issue. And I moved to the running game because I don't think that Ohio State has the elite playmaker at running back. They did dish the ball to Master Teague a whole heap in the end to try and... He's got a really bowling ball sort of forward lean type thing going on and he's just going to make life really hard as he 
batters you late into the late into the game. But I think Justin Fields has an elite arm. I know he sort of came in as a as a dual threat guy, and he still is that absolutely. But he's got an elite arm, and he is a fantastic fantastic operator. There was one moment in the game I thought Penn State might get back into it. Third and eight in the fourth quarter, Shocker Tony came off the edge. Um, got around the tackle for one of the rare times. Justin Fields slides left. Uh, as he's getting hit, drops a dime to Garrett Wilson running a corner out. Keeps the drive alive. They go down, score a touchdown, and it was dust from there. So Ohio State looked really, really good. And they are. They are a top team in the nation. They stack up against your Clemson and Alabamas. Maybe Georgia put them in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um and it's there is a cut above the rest there. So you're right. Justin Fields is as good as advertised. He's continuing to show that progression. The, the to put up the numbers that he did today against a Penn State team on the road in a big game day matchup is really like something else. There's one thing to do that against. Uh, a group of five team or a team where every player on your side of the field is uh, more athletically gifted than your opponents. But when yeah. when you're playing against a team like Penn State, that's not the case. Like, yes, Ohio State as a collective are better, but Penn State have their dudes. They've got some players around there. So to be able to do it at that sort of level with that, um, that amount of efficiency... I mean, 28 of 34 uh, and the four touchdowns without turning it over is just unfair, really. So he he's, looks like he's going to be a special one and will continue to challenge uh, Trevor Lawrence. I still think he's the kind of phenom product that can't miss, but he's certainly going to be a, a sought-after player uh, come draft day in the NFL. For sure. Uh, yeah, I, w- I was really impressed. And, and you know, I, I, don't, I just think Penn State is a step below. And they continue to be. I uh, don't think that ranking to start the year was at all accurate. I think Sean Clifford leaves something to be desired. I know they had, they had some issues at running back. Um, and there were some fantastic plays made on the outside. And I'll go over them in my rewind. But uh, never really looked close. Rutgers 21 fall to Indiana as we move on. Uh, the Hoosiers 37, Scarlet Knights 21. Rutgers led for most of the first half in this one, but two second quarter interceptions by Vedral, the quarterback, gave Indiana a lead at the half. And I was actually spent a fair bit of time on this one because I like Michael Penix. I think he's a good quarterback. Those interceptions were super weird. One of them he got hit and just threw the ball up. Like it looked like something on a computer game. Like it went up really high and didn't go beyond the line of scrimmage. Like it was just... Yeah, straight up, and then a D lineman ended up getting the pick. So, um, But from there, Indiana controlled the game. Michael Penix, like I said, was good. Really dangerous on the ground and through the air as well. But his scramble plays uh, that come as a sort of ad lib or out of system, not a called run. He's fantastic at that. Sees the, sees the field so quickly, and, and he's tough. If you give him the edge, he's gone. Having said that, neither team was lights out on the offensive side and Rutgers still have a long way to go before they're considered anything above pretty bad. You're not going to have any comments on that one, but Purdue beat Illinois 31-24. to Aiden O'Connell goes for over 350 yards. David Bell goes off again. I don't think Purdue is that good, but they have won two on the bounce now. Northwestern squeak by Iowa, 21-20. to 20. Iowa score 17 unanswered points in the first quarter and then manage a field goal the rest of the way. 
their offense continues to be really, really disappointing. And there's nothing that makes me believe that Iowa are in a good place or heading in the right direction. No, but what about them Wildcats? I'm kind of on them this year. I, I like them. Uh, they look in the goods. This is a tough road matchup. I mean, yes, you're right. Iowa are certainly struggling a little bit at the moment, but going into there is uh, always a difficult place at Kinnick, Kinnick Stadium. Yep. Uh, to, so to walk away from there with a win as an underdog is, is impressive. Uh, do you think that Northwestern have any staying power in the Big Ten and, and can challenge this year? Or I'd, 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 I need to have a closer look at their upcoming schedule. I think they can. Their offense was so bad last year. And putting up 21 points against Iowa is, you know, that's okay, I suppose. But they're going to need more than that if they're going to... I mean, who's who's in that next bracket that they would want to push up into the wisconsin's the penn states the minnesota's i think they'll manage michigan state like the michigan states michigan and michigan state yeah like that's where you want that's where you want to be and you know if they can split those i think that'd be considered a good season and if they can show some progress offensively but no i don't think they're going to make too much noise they could jag one but I don't think it's going to be a consistently good team. No, they're going in to the Big SEC- Ten Championship game. Not Big Ten Championship game. Uh, in the SEC, Alabama trash Mississippi State 41-0. to Mac Jones for Heisman. That's a real thing, and so it should be. Since the LSU game, KJ Costello has thrown one touchdown and eight interceptions. Oof. The air raid is clearly not working in the SEC, uh, and maybe he should have thought about staying over on the west coast i don't know yeah i think they've put it all the tape like they put it all on film in week one got them a win (laughs) kind of worth it almost but now it's just like shit we got nothing we're coming up empty everywhere these these defensive players are monsters and they are too good and we are getting embarrassed yeah Mm. i mean new new system this is probably a lot more in line with what we expected at the start of the year so you say new system but it's a notoriously easy system to pick up it's not that difficult um he's you know mike leach's stubbornness to not run the ball he doesn't believe in it and i know that's what you're getting into when you go full full noise traditional air raid but i don't know it it looks ugly it looks ugly at the moment texas a&m beat arkansas 42 to 31 11 point win in this one I think the scoreline's actually reflective, which is going to sound a little bit contradictory because Arkansas Arkansas scored a couple late to make it look closer. But I think when it was sort of blown out to 20, uh, what was it, like 1742 or something like that, I was like, this is this game is closer than that. Arkansas were hanging around. Kellen Mon was good for the Aggies. I don't think there's too much to take out of this one, but this is where about these where these teams are at at the moment. Arkansas are trying really hard. They're competing to the finish. They're not giving up, which is what you want to see. And the first stage of being competent is don't get blown out. And they're not doing that, or they're doing that at the moment. I'm sorry, not getting blown out. So, you know, I, I thought they actually played pretty well again. And that, you know, that's a number eight team in the country, and you outgain them on offense. You had fewer penalties than them. They just don't have the athletes yet. And, and if they can start recruiting well, I, I believe that Arkansas are well coached. They're well drilled. Sam Pittman has been around college football and power five college football for a long, long time. So I'd expect to see continual improvement from Arkansas. And I actually came away impressed by them. 
Yeah, certainly they've turned the corner. They're a much, much improved unit this year. But Texas A&M uh, looking good. Like they're, they're a top 10 team, ranked 8th. I think previously when we said that, it's always kind of left a bit of a bad taste in your mouth. You're kind of mm-hmm. like, I ain't buying into that. I see it, but it's a bit of SEC bias and I, I ain't like it. Now, I think that's actually probably warranted. Uh, this team is legit. Uh, they're going to be around the mark this year and, and competing. They've obviously had their shot against Alabama and lost, but I think most teams will do that this year. So if they can continue to win in the SEC, they're a, a sneaky outside chance of finding their way into the playoffs still. So they'd, they've got everything to play for, motivated, uh, and Kellen Mond had another one of his better games. I think that's the key for them is can they get the most out of him at that quarterback position because there is a fair variance between what's good that we saw here and what can be not so good. Absolutely. Georgia, 14, stifle. Kentucky, just three points. Uh, Joey Gatewood started for Kentucky, and it sort of became a defensive slugfest in lots of ways. Uh, Georgia threw the ball 13 times only. Um, this is old school SEC, and the look on your face. Oh, isn't it? Like real old school SEC. They're just, come on, boys, get the memo. Everyone else is putting up 50. Defense Speak- is so fucking 2000s. <laughs> Speaking of 50, Auburn. Didn't get 50. They got 48, and they absolutely destroy LSU, who only managed 11 points. I watched this one as well. TJ Finley got the start for LSU. He turned the ball over twice, and that cost them two touchdowns. Uh, one was a fumble recovery, which was gross, and that was a scoop and score. And the other one was a pick that he overshot on a fastball on a, on a hitch or a quick out and uh, got returned all the way to the two-yard line. LSU couldn't run the ball at all. And eventually, Max Johnson went into the game. Now, I remember Max Johnson on his father's shoulders as like a, I don't know, not even two-year-old probably when the Bucks won the Super Bowl. And uh, he was there as just a little squib. Um, but yeah, now he's playing quarterback for LSU. So there you go. Um, War Eagle. LSU, War Eagle. Um, yeah, War Eagle. I mean, they were... They were I wasn't confident early. I mean, LSU did everything they could defensively and, and pretty much shut out the Auburn offense. And you wouldn't think that from the final score. Bo Nooks, Bo Nooks, Bo Nicks looked really uncomfortable. Apparently, I'm tired as well. He looked really, really uncomfortable. He's He doesn't have confident feet in the pocket. He wants to leave the pocket and get out quickly. And I know he's come under criticism for that. It's just this jittery feeling that I have and he, and he throws off balance and he doesn't get his feet in good position and that's why there's so many of these inaccurate passes. He feels the rush. Even in three-man pressures, he he looks like he wants to get out or, he's, or that clock's going off in his head. So, But having said that, he led them on a 99-yard drive to close the first half and from that point on, it felt over, it was over and his second half was really, really good. He led a heap of long marches. The play calling really helped. It looked like Guzmout Zahn, who I know doesn't call the plays anymore, but he remembered how to be a little bit more creative. He didn't require Knicks to hold the ball for a long time. He, you know, lots of eye candy like they do, lots of RPO stuff and it just meant the Knicks could confidently, you know, one one or two reads and the ball's gone. It, it's not overly complicated notoriously simple but we hadn't seen that we hadn't seen that diversification of the run game or the rpo game and and when they bring that back they look really good yeah i was going to mention he has looked good the last two weeks obviously that disappointing outing against south carolina a bit of pressure piled onto him and he's really stood up 
and and he's kind of taken a bit of a step forward here. Much better numbers the last continue, couple of weeks. So let's hope he can continue that. Florida got back to winning ways with a comprehensive punch up over Missouri, forty-one to seventeen. Um, Missouri couldn't move the ball really at all on offense. Uh, Twelve possessions in this game, two of them were fumbles, and seven possessions that failed to net more than twenty yards. Um, and a lot of them were three and outs, so like three yards, five yards, minus three yards, one yard. Uh, there was a lot of slop in there. Uh, Kyle Trask was good. Kadarius Tony had his best game of the year. And Florida pretty much dominated this one from the punch-up to the final score. I don't. The only thing they probably did lose was the uh, uniform competition because those new unis looked pretty ugly. Not a fan of them. Okay, yeah. Ah, look, Missouri has still got a little bit of a ways to go, and and that's mm-hmm. quite clear with that one. This Florida team is full, like just rife with coronavirus and still managed to get the do- job done there. So, well done. <laughs> Old Miss crushed Vandy, fifty-four to twenty-one. My boy Matt Corral had six TDs today, and I swear that on any given week he just throws six of some combination of interceptions and touchdowns. Like a couple of weeks ago, it was six interceptions. This week, it's six touchdowns. I think he had a four touchdown, two interception game. He just throws six of everything. So, providing he can get the six TDs, they're probably going to win. Yes, certainly. And thank you for talking me back from the ledge on that one. Uh, I wanted to take Vanderbilt, had the money <laughs> yeah, there. That would have been bad. So appreciate <laughs> that you. That would have been bad. And you're like, oh, but there was there's long odds on it. I'm like, yeah, it's because they suck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's how it works. Uh, in other games, Hawaii got beaten badly by Wyoming. That wasn't really very close. Tulsa won. Cincinnati win big over Memphis, which you watched first half of that. Nick Starkle, we're going to keep mentioning him because San Jose uh, State have now won two and he has gone off again. Boise State, BYU, SMU and Coastal Carolina all win as well. Anything in the group of five that you need to mention, William? No, you're right. I did watch the start of that uh, Cincinnati-Memphis game and that's kind of where I feel like my day started or was kind of midpoint because it's just been (laughs) prolonged around that. It's, It's a bit nuts, but... Cincinnati were impressive. This is a team that came up against a decent Memphis side and they made a statement. So with Oklahoma State dropping that one, their chances of sneaking into the playoff take a, a massive jump. I, I still think they've got a lot that needs to go their way, but in a season like this, certainly could happen. So if they continue to comprehensively beat everyone before them, then they're going to be in that conversation and uh, that's Do going to be interesting s- UCF would have to be pissed with that as well. If there's carnage everywhere, they do it for two years, can't get in. Cincinnati. Okay, hey, timing's everything. All right, let's get into the rewind. For me, now I've got a bit to pick from. Will less so, but Jahan Dotson, if you haven't seen these back-to-back catches on Sean Wade in the Ohio State-Penn State game, go back and watch them. The first one, both down the left sideline, the first one just kind of a, I mean, you see it week in, week out, a contested ball. The second one, just a one-handed pluck from the sky, which it Sean Wade looked back and, and then he caught it and then ran it in for a touchdown. And Sean Wade looked back and he's like, what just happened? I don't, it, yeah, two really, really good plays. And the other one that I'll say is the attempted laterals that Rutgers nearly pulled off for a touchdown on fourth and like 30 or something. At the end of the last quarter, got called back for a forward pass, which there wasn't a forward pass, I didn't think, or an illegal forward pass. And they scored a touchdown on it, but yeah, penalty brought that one back. Yeah, okay. worth a look. 
I think my one and like at me with this because I, I, I need someone to either disagree or just get around me because I, I don't like it. It's my Oklahoma State game uh, <laughs> in the last. My boy uh, Dylan Stoner had the ball thrown to him oh, at full extension. Great. Like I don't want to be the guy bagging the refs after a loss, but I'm going to fucking do it. Fuck him. <laughs> Uh, great, like, ball was humming, full extension, grabbed it, clean as anything, like, strong hands. As he's gone down, ball's hit the ground, but, like, in total control, called a catch on the field, happy days. Actually, no, we're going to send it upstairs. Shane Watson's come out there, put the fucking big T up, said, we're reviewing this bad boy. And somehow, after three minutes of the commentator <laughs> saying... What? Nah, that's a, that's a catch. Yeah, you can't overturn that. There's no way in the world you could overturn that because he's, like... It, it's line ball, maybe, but there's certainly not the evidence to overturn it. They come back, said, yeah, uh, ruling on the field's overturned, fourth down, you're going to have to kick it away. Fuck. <laughs> like, watch it and, and tell me I'm crazy because I'll fight you. <laughs> Jesus. Jacked up on Red Bull and pizza. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's push on. Helmet stickers for tonight. Will, have you got any or Aussies in action? Because I know you've been under the pump today. Yeah, so, so I, I, I can bring up some stats. So that, I like, oh, leading stats. I can do that. I've got this. So uh, Muhammad <laughs> Ibrahim at Minnesota, as I mentioned. Yeah, that, that's four, a good one. Four <laughs> touchdowns in the first half is massive. Nick Starkle, you mentioned, has been lighting it up. Uh, obviously, San Jose State-like uh putting up the ball in the air, five touchdowns, 467 yards. Uh, Sam Howe in their loss was actually really good. How do you lose a game yeah. going 23 of 28 for 450 yards, four touchdowns without a pick, and you fucking lost? Mm, <laughs> yeah. Questions need to be answered there. Uh, and your boy Matt Corral throwing for his six touchdowns uh, on 31 of 34 in an SEC matchup is just nuts. So... Yeah, that that good is as good as you, I think you see. The, the problem is he's a bit of a loose cannon, so <laughs> I like it. Um, and then catching the ball, we had a couple of really big efforts from uh, Diami Brown at North Carolina at 240 yards and three touchdowns, and Elijah Moore at Mississippi. So the the boys catching on the on the receiving end of this excellent quarterback player certainly helped out by a couple of stud receivers. Uh, Elijah Moore, 14 catches, 238 yards, and three touchdowns. So get around that. <laughs> that is good. Um, okay, have you got punting numbers? This is going to really put you under... No, I, I, I certainly do not have that. So oh, I, I, I was going to just cherry pick and go to a couple of like Max Duffy and a, a few of the others who I know. Like I watched Oklahoma State game. Ryan Bachevsky actually had a, a solid day. He was he was hitting the ball really well. So yeah. Well, Corsak had a pretty good game as well. The boys at Indiana and Rutgers, both Australian guys there, had pretty good days as well. All right, let's get into bold predictions then as we move on. Uh, mine was that I had both Auburn and LSU would both go under 20 points or both go over 45. We had one of each, <laughs> so I missed. It was the heads and tails. I did ask you when you called yeah. it, are we doing the heads and tails? <laughs> and yeah. It's always heads and tails. But yeah, for sorry, for yeah. the kids out there, when you're playing that game, there are better odds that it will be heads and tails. Just trust me. Like. It, well it done is. on the maths with that, mate. Good well, stuff. that rock blew my mind when I first learned it. Shouldn't have, <laughs> did. So I'm hoping I'm helping others out there who enjoy a good quiz night. Uh, my bold prediction was that combination of Mississippi State, Georgia, and Arkansas would be kept under 21 points. So Mississippi State, zero points. Fucking bang. Yeah. Shut out. 
Kentucky, three points. Beauty. Half time. Arkansas, 14 points. Three quarter time. 17 points. Oh, I'm here. I'm at 20 points. And then they just pile on two touchdowns and completely (laughs) fuck me. So disappointing result, but I was certainly on the right little uh, path there. Yeah, nice one. You got far closer than me. So let's hope. Bold prediction went close, but you got fisted. The cowpokes, maybe the refereeing and, and maybe just general gameplay got fisted. Did you win on the punt? I'll probably preemptively play this one. Should have more self-confidence in yourself. Self, self. I think I'm just saying self a lot. Bingo. There it is. So I've outsourced, got a little bit of help from uh, yourself over there, and we've come out on top. So thank you very much. Because going back through the picks that I offered up, you told me to throw away a lot, and that was clever. They were not good (laughs) selections. There was not a lot of money to be made in those. I wasn't going like, you know, pick Michigan State or pick one of the other upsets. I'm too fried to even remember. But what I did throw was a couple in Auburn to beat LSU. You said, yeah, that'll happen. I like that. So we collected uh, 6.6 units on that. I said Northwestern oh, nice over one. Iowa. You were like, yeah, that's good too. So 6.3 units there. Happy days. Last one, uh, a bit of a long shot. Memphis to beat Cincinnati. Didn't get close. Uh, yeah. Cincinnati were the much better team and, and showed out that way. So we lost three units there. We lost the unit on the multi of the three of them. But at the end of the day, we've come out three units up. So uh, that does not really make much of a dent, but is a step in the right direction. (laughs) So where are we at now? Uh, We're at 17 units in the shit? uh, Negative 18, yes. Negative 18, okay. Um, Well, if we keep an upward trajectory from here on out, we should be good. Well, we'd need to kind of up our ante a little bit, I think. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, well, we'll see if we can find some other juicy bits and pieces. For you. All right, that brings us to the end of our week nine recap. It has been fast, a little furious, um, and lacking probably the correct amount of stimulants coursing through our body to be able to make this too juicy. And uh, Will's going to... Well, I'll, I'll apologize on Will's behalf. But either way, please make sure you do hit us up on social media at CF be down under that's on twitter on instagram and on facebook as well make sure you leave us a review leave a comment say hi do all those things tell all your friends and ensure that we can continue to build the community of college football here in australia and around the rest of the world as well especially in these weird weird times any closing thoughts from you before you head to bed william no back to work for a uh, couple more hours and then i gotta clock out it's a big week ahead well, that sucks. I'm off on camp tomorrow, so I'll see you on Wednesday. Obviously, I'll be prepped and ready to go for Wednesday's app. Haven't even had a look at next week's games yet, but based on the Notre Dame Clemson one, there will be a few juicy bits and pieces going on, no doubt. All right, on behalf of that guy over there, my name's Aaron, that's Will, and thank you for joining us. We will see you next time.